AW Double or Nothing 2021 is live this weekend. Kevin, I'm so excited to preview this show. We've got a stacked card featuring Martin Luther Cody Rhodes ending racism against Anthony Agogo. We've got the Soul Monster versus Adrian Neville versus Kenny Omega for the AW World Title. We've got a stacked card, Kevin. Stacked. <laughs> Oh, man. Yes, we do. You know, I got to be honest. I got to confess something to all of you now. I was thinking about going to the show because, as you all know, I live in Florida. So Jacksonville, it's a little bit of a drive. It's like a four and a half hour, five hour drive for me. I'd have to make a weekend of it. But I, I, the thought came across my mind. And then AEW announced the main event for this card, that it was going to be Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy versus Pac. And I was like, do I really want to drive five hours to watch this? Is that really what I want to do with my life, you know? I don't know. So that, that I, I had to reconsider thinking about going to watch this. Because I was going to go make a vlog of it. Why not? Have a good time. But, no. I, I was thinking, you know, maybe we get Kenny Omega and, you know, someone else. Like, Chris Jericho again. Something. I don't know. Anything. Yeah. But we get... Orange Cassidy, Pac, and Omega in the main event. I don't know about that one, Falf. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. We'll preview the main event in due time. But I think, without further ado, we'll just get into the predictions for this. We're not going to waste any more of you guys' precious time. So, we're going to start this off with the match that I joked about in the open. I'll, I'll be serious with addressing the match now, and then we'll just get into whatever we want to talk about. The match is Cody Rhodes, The American Dream, with Arn Anderson versus Anthony Agogo with QT Marshall, Nick Comorot, and Aaron Salau. So, Kevin, Cody Rhodes versus Anthony Agogo. Are you excited? Are you pumped to see Cody Rhodes and racism? Okay. Uh, this match is it, the jokes write themselves. You know, they really do. They do. I know we're having fun with this, but this is like Cody Rose was like in the back talking to Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and the Young Bucks are probably just ready to rip his head off. And he's like, oh, my God, guys, you know, who, who am I going to wrestle with double or nothing? I need a big match for double or nothing. I'm Cody Rose. I need a big match. And he was like, wait, I got the answer. It's going to be my cousin QT Marshall. And then the Young Bucks were like, oh, QT Marshall's too old, blah, blah, blah. So he's like, all right, I'll wrestle Anthony. I go, go. He used, he used to be a boxer in the UK. I'll do that. He's half black. I'll try to end racism. I'll cut this promo. And they're like, all right, Cody, do whatever you got to do. <laughs> and now here we are. It's like, God. why? Why is this happening? He made this big deal about calling himself the American dream. Yeah. That promo, I, I know what he was going for. I really do. I get it. He's trying to make himself the baby face, but he made himself come off like the heel in that promo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's cutting this, like, American freedom promo. And it's supposed to be this whole thing of like, oh my god, he's he's the, the American dream man, oh my god, he's fighting off the, the evil go-go who, he, he's come to the United States and done all this stuff, and this is the American dream, it's just like, uh, Kevin, I said this in the Tony Khan bio, said it in the late heat the week before, Cody Rhodes, when he was cutting that promo, there weren't 60,000 people lining the streets at a rally, chanting, Cody, Cody, there were 500 beards at Daly's place, just sitting on their hands. And it just came off terrible. This match, Rhodes and Agogo. Who wins it? I mean, Agogo should win it, realistically. But Cody's the American dream for this match. And do you, do you really think American dream, AWEVP, Cody Rhodes is losing this match, realistically? No. No. Cody's not going to lose this match, no. no the, in a million years, no. 
Now, they're going to do some spot where, like, they're having a good match for, like, 10 minutes. There's probably a bunch of interferences. QT Marshall will jump into the ring. Arn Anderson will get involved and probably hit a spine buster on QT Marshall. And there's going to be all this chaos where Dustin Rhodes will rush out there. There'll be a massive brawl. After, like, 15 minutes of overbooking, a go-go is going to punch Cody in the gut. Cody will kick out of his finisher. And then Cody will hit him with a crossroads and win. Probably. You know, does that sound as, right? I'm telling you this right now. I'm telling you this right now. As soon as a pregnant Brandy Rhodes comes running down the stage crying and is holding Cody Rhodes' hand, trying to will him on, <laughs> while Anthony Agogo's like doing these, you know, these gentle working punches because he doesn't want to hurt the EVP, the company, I'm turning off the show. I'm not even going to put it back on once that happens. But to Kevin, you didn't want to drive five hours to Jacksonville to watch Brandy Rhodes crying at ringside, holding her baby bump as Cody Rhodes kicks out of a punch of the gut from an Olympic boxer. Excuse me. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. I know, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm a terrible wrestling fan, pal, well, I didn't want to drive five hours to watch that. Well, you're just a horrible person. But yeah, nah, for this match, all jokes aside, the American Dream Cody Rhodes should probably go over Anthony Gogo, considering this is his company, pal. So... Kevin, unless you want to say anything else about Cody Rhodes ending racism, we can move on to the next match. I'll say this real quick. He is Anthony Agogo. So, are people going to care if he beats Cody? Like, is anybody really going to care? Is it going to make Anthony Agogo a star? Probably not. So, might as well just have Cody win. Well, what's Cody done in the last, like, six months? Like, announced a reality show and then done a baby gender reveal where they were in their house and then a, a ball ball said... The baby is coming on the way. Like, like I don't know. C- Cody's done nothing. Well, that, well that, that's, kind, that's kind of what I'm getting at. It's like Anthony Agogo beating this version of Cody Rhodes means nothing. If it was like 2019, beginning of AEW Cody Rhodes, yeah, it would be a big deal. But in 2021, after you know pandemic shows where Cody was coming out cutting 15-minute promos on Warhorse and other indie wrestlers, yeah, it's just it, it, won't, it won't hit the same beating him yeah facts so that's that match i think we went into great detail with it now we'll move on to the match that involves aw's wyatt family you know team taz as brian cage takes on hangman adam page now this match was done on dynamite a few weeks back and brian cage won so based on that do you think hangman page is going to get his redemption at double or nothing kevin Yep, Hangman Page is going to get his redemption, and then in AEW fashion, he'll be thrown into a, a title a title match for no reason, like Kenny Omega. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really much else to say. I mean, th- this is Team Taz. I make the AEW White family analogy. The whole thing with the White family is that talk a big game, got a great mouthpiece. In this case, it's Taz. In the White family's case, it's Bray Wyatt. Then, when it comes to winning big matches at these big pay-per-views, always come up short. Brian Cage and any member of Team Taz... Do they win at these big pay-per-views? From my recollection, they don't. So, Hangman Page here, Kevin, probably beats Brian Cage in, like, 10 minutes. And, yeah, that'd be that. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, Taz will be screaming on commentary at Tony Schiavone. That'll be pretty funny. But, yeah, yeah. This, I mean, in ring, is this going to be a great match? Like, yeah, it'll probably get rated highly by people that are AEW fans. But me watching it, I, I, don't, I can't see myself being super invested in watching Brian Cage and Hangman Page have a match. Like, two got both of these guys in ring, they're not really much of draws. Yeah. They rely on, on what little bit of character they have, and they're not really having a character-driven story, so there's really not much to talk about. Well, this feels like one of these matches which, on the buy-in, they're going to have, like, a three-minute-long 
like Taz breaks down the, the, the science and the analytics of the buckshot lariat kind of vignettes to it. And then I can mm-hmm. picture I can picture this where the match this is Kevin, this is one of those AW matches which instead of it going like six to nine minutes like it probably should, this match will go fifteen just so it gets a higher star rating. Just so in years down the line when you look back at this pay-per-view and the star ratings of the matches you know, you'll see that, oh, this was a four-star match because it went 15 minutes. You can't possibly say the AW show was bad. Like, that's the kind of, this is, that's this kind of match. So, with that being said, I think, Kevin, unless there's anything else you want to say about AW's white family member nope. losing, I think we can move on. So, with that being said, I think we'll talk about this match, Kevin. Sting and Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Now, what are your thoughts on this, Kevin? Uh, do, do we have care? to? <laughs> do we have to talk about this? Do we have to, like, really, like... What what is this, bro? <laughs> Come on, what like what what is this? You have thing who's Darby Allen's like if, if you do one of those those memes where you have like Sting in nineteen ninety, Sting in twenty twenty, it's like Darby Allen met his grandpa. That's basically what you have here, and then you have Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Why are they a tag team? Because <laughs> oh oh my. I, Christopher Daniels lost in an I'm Sorry, I Love You reenactment by Nick Jackson. Oh, oh. now Scorpio Sky doesn't have friends anymore, so they <laughs> put him with Ethan Page. Yeah. You know, what? what is the point of this match? Why is Sting wrestling? This is the icon Sting. Yeah. This is one of the, what, 15 most recognizable wrestlers in the world, and he's just thrown on this undercard tag match with his grandson <laughs> against a guy who used to be a member of a cool stable. Now he doesn't have friends. And then what is Ethan Page? He's a guy that had an impact, like, television title reign, like, yeah. two years ago. This is the best they could do with Sting? Really? Like, are you kidding me? This is the best they got for Sting. You know, you got Cody Rose running around, practicing how he's going to end racism in a promo. Kenny Omega working on the AEW game, the mobile game, the other game they got going, hanging out with Aubrey Edwards, and you got the Young Bucks buying Jordans on the sneakers app, trying to hit. That They're not even focused on what Sting is doing. You know, this is one of the most recognizable wrestlers in the world. And this is all they could do with him. This is it. Are you kidding me, bro? Come on. Like, like, uh, I'm, I'm, just, just stop me before I keep going on. Yeah, I mean, it really hit me. Like, I knew they were doing this, obviously, because I've watched a bunch of these Dynamites in the past, like, two months, where it's literally rinse, repeat, Kevin. Darby Allen retains in TNT title main event. Main event ends, show ends with Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page rushing out there, and then Lance Archer gets involved somehow. And that was legit every dynamite ending for like a month straight. So and and uh, did Sting point his bat there, John? <laughs> uh, every week there, John. Uh, it was unbearable. So yeah, and then as you were doing that rant, it really did hit me to kind of reinforce what you just said there. This is one of the greatest of all time. This is this is Steve Borden. This is Sting. This is the guy who in 1997 was in the rafters for like a year and then confronted Hulk Hogan, had one of the biggest Starcade matches ever. This is that guy, and now he's in a tag match at a pay-per-view against Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Just, that's disgraceful. But yeah, nah, Sting and Darby Allen are going to win this match. Uh, one thing I also want to say, AW have a million and one tag teams, Kevin. How is Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page the best tag team you can come up with for Allen and Sting? Like, right. Of, right. Like, can you, even if you want to have just any team, there are that many teams. Literally, you have the Young Bucks... You can do them being like, oh, Sting, we want to end your career. Like, we're, we're great heels. We're going to kill you, Sting. Like, anything. I don't know. But instead well, where, if... Where's Proud and Powerful? They're uh, not on the card. No, they're in the stadium stampede, pal, aren't they? 
Oh, they? right, right. They yeah, are, but yeah. now just like the, right. But there are that many... Ta- surely there's... The Lucha Bros. Anyone. It just... What is this, bro? What is this? Like... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know either. I don't. I, I don't know. Yeah, there's not that many tag teams now that I think about it. The tag teams, they've kind of broken up most of them, it feels like. Or uh, guys are injured. No, there's a lot of tag teams, but the, the, it's like the, the Varsity Blondes, Bear Country, like these type of teams, ones you've probably never heard of unless you don't watch, unless you watch AW Dark every week. But nonetheless, that's that match. I think we can both agree Sting and Darby are going to win. Yeah? Yes, yes, 100%. Sting and his grandson are going to get the win, and then Sting is going to take his grandson out for, for dinner. Yeah, now we're going to move on to the next match, as we have our favorite uh, Young Bucks from Rancho yeah. Cucamonga defending the AW World Tag Team Championships. Um, Rancho Cucamonga! Uh, and, and who's accompanying them in this match, Kevin? Oh, the invisible hand of professional wrestling... Don Callis, and I'm out there with the Bucks. <laughs> and they're taking on uh, Dean Ambrose and uh, Eddie Kingston. So this match, honestly, it's probably going to end up being... Can I, can I, can yeah. I break this down go for on, people go in, on, typical, go on. In, t- in typical me fashion? Yep. So what you have here is you have two Shawn Michaels fans from 1995 trying to dress up as 1995 Shawn Michaels with the earrings and their, their boots and their jeans... And, you know, they have Jordans. Oh, they have money. Okay, cool. They have, oh, oh, they have Jordans. Nobody else in the world has Jordans. Ooh. And they're from Rancho Cucamonga. These, you know, these preppy white boys, for lack of a better term. I'm not being trying to be disparaging, but that's what they are. Yep. And then they're facing Dean Ambrose, the guy who's crazy. Oh, oh crazy. Oh, from Cincinnati. I'm crazy. And Eddie Kingston, a guy who's portrayed as a gangster. He's probably, legitimately, he's probably the toughest guy in this company. He's probably the one guy you don't want to get in a backstage fight with, I would say. So you got Dean Ambrose and a legit tough guy facing two preppy white boys with this, what, a 60-year-old international (laughs) businessman (laughs) who goes around saying, I'm the invisible hand. This is what we're seeing here. And I get it. These are four of the biggest stars in AEW. This is Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, and the Young Bucks. But this is not the best version of Eddie Kingston, John Moxley, and the Young Bucks. This is John Moxley doing Stone Cold impressions, and then Eddie Kingston screaming and being intimidating, and then you got the Young Bucks showing their Jordans to the camera and like giving dirty looks to interview girls, and while you have Don Callis and and uh, one of the other guys, the Good Brothers, looking like idiots behind them. Right. Yeah. It's it's like that... yeah, just bruh, bruh, like. I look at this, and you, you know what the match is going to be, Kevin. How many Young Bucks tag match, like, tag matches for the title have you seen? You know what this match is going to be. It's going to be 20 to 22 minutes. You're going to have the stereo st- superkick spots. You're going to have your stereo Canadian Destroyer spots. You're going to have the spot where they do the Meltzer driver, where Nick Jackson's going to springboard off the rope, probably slip, considering every time he does it, most of the time it seems like he slips. Or if he doesn't slip, he's barely going to touch the guy who's being piled-driven to the ground. They're going to be doing those spots. You're going to have John Moxley probably for five minutes beating up Matt Jackson to start the match. Then the Young Bucks will beat down Eddie Kingston for like 15 minutes, hitting stereo super kicks. Like, Kevin, my point with this match, you summarized who's involved perfectly and what you're aesthetically going to see. The match itself for 20 minutes on the show is going to be touted as the best match on the card, no doubt in my mind, just because of who's involved. But, like, you realistically look at what we're going to get, and it's like, oh... It's going to be another Young Bucks match. It's going to be just like MJF and Jericho versus Young Bucks from Revolution, you know? Like, what's going to be different about this? You know? 
Oh, it, it, this match is uh, personal because John Boxley destroyed the Young Bucks trailer. And 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 uh, John Moxley and um, Eddie Kingston raided the Elite's locker room uh, last week on Dynamite, and John Moxley oh, wow. John Moxley threw a uh, a a a a a a coffee table across the locker room and hit a TV there, John. Oh wow! Oh oh wow! Like just. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're gonna have the young bucks. They're gonna come out in their Jordans, showing it to the camera. And then they're gonna run around doing backflips, and they're they're probably gonna put the belts on Moxie and Kingston. I, I I don't really see the Young Bucks winning this match, because I, I feel like Moxie Eddie Kingston Eddie Eddie Kingston as a tag team that's like the new flavor of the month. Yeah, yeah, people demanding them to be tag team champions. All the promos from these guys, and yeah, they're gonna have great promos. But what are they gonna do? Like I would be intrigued. I mean, they would be ten times better champions in my opinion than the Young Bucks would be. These oh, good, oh, yeah. I think Moxie and Eddie Kingston would be great. I'd love to see a feud with them in Proud and Powerful. Because then you can have Eddie Kingston talking like a gangster to two other dudes that can relate to him. You know, it would just, the dynamic would be there. Or even you put him in there with the young, well, I mean, not the young bus, the Lucha Bros. It, I just think the, the potential's there with Moxie and Kingston. Yeah, like, what more can the Young Bucks do with these tag titles? Like, we've seen the Young Bucks as champions, like, we've been there, done that. I think Moxley and Kingston, try that, give that a go. We can have a different dynamic of the tag titles. We can get these great tag matches every week where John Moxley and Eddie Kingston retain the titles halfway through Dynamite against Bear Country and JD Drake and, I don't know, whoever on, on AW. We can get these great matches. So, unless anything else you want to say about that, Kevin, I think we can move on. Oh, we're good. Now, the next match is the Casino Battle Royal for a future AW World Championship match. Now, uh, can I can I can I have the floor on this one? Go, go, my guy, go, go. So, so you know, one of the there's a lot of competitors, well, like twenty people in this match, but I want to focus on one in particular. There's one name that sticks out as a sore thumb from the rest of the bunch, and that's one Christian Cage. He is partaking in this Casino Battle Royal. I'm gonna re- rewind three months. Christian Cage was the savior of AEW and the guy that's going to change the wrestling landscape, put AEW back on the map, according to The Big Show. That was Christian Cage's big reveal. Three months later, at the biggest show in AEW, Double or Nothing, their WrestleMania, Christian Cage is probably going to be on the pre-show in a battle royal for a future AEW World Championship match that'll probably take place on a random episode of Dynamite. Yeah. 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 Like... That's where we are with the Christian Cage experiment. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is one of those matches when you look at the participants and it's like, okay, maybe maybe Pentagon can win and have a great match with Omega. Maybe maybe Jungle Boy can win. But then you really, you, you really think about it and it's like, oh, is realistically, is anyone outside Christian Cage going to win this match? I mean, let's be honest. I'd be shocked. I would be shocked if someone else won besides him. Like, this isn't a future AW World Championship match. Like, this isn't the TNT title. You're not going to have Mark Quinn win this match. You're not going to have Max Caster or Preston Vance win this match. You, or Lee Johnson. You, you, Lee Johnson doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. That's how much of a nobody he is. Literally, Christian Cage is going to win this match. They're going to do, a, like, a Christian Cage versus Omega in, like, a month from now at Fighter Fest or whatever AW, you know, TV pay-per-view they do. And Omega's just going to beat Christian Cage and go on with his day. So, yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about Christian Cage winning a battle royal? Or, 
No. Uh, that's pretty much. I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, you got oh, Cold Cabanas here, John. Oh. Oh, boom, so, boom, uh, boom, boom. There, John. Oh, wow. <laughs> I wish Cold Cabana would have got in WWE just so I could hear Michael Cole say that. <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, boom, boom there, John. Oh, Corey, Corey, uh, boom, boom. <laughs> like, that is boom, boom, cabana. And then you have Corey Graves remind us about how CM Punk mentioned Cole Cabana on an episode of Raw 11 years ago. <laughs> God, <laughs> oh, I need that in my life. Oh, don't forget, Matt Seidel, uh, formerly known as Evan Bourne, John. Can I just say... Uh, the, I was, well, when I was watching, the, I don't know what Dynamite this was, they all blend together at the moment. The, uh, Christian Cage did a backstage interview on Dynamite a couple weeks ago, and he's like doing his like, oh, I'm going to outwork everyone, like one of these promos. Matt Seidel walks over and literally cuts one of the most dry promos I've ever heard, Kevin. Like, I've seen more charisma from a drink bottle than I've seen from Matt Seidel in this promo. Literally, I, I, I can work too. Christian, next week on Dynamite, I'm get literally. It was pathetic. So Matt Sidal. Can, can, can we do like? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead sorry. Matt Sidal, terrible. Just awful. Anyway, go on. What do you want to say? What do you want to say? Can, can we do like two minutes and thirty seconds on Christian Cage again? I gotta. I gotta pose this question to you. Go on. When when did Christian Cage regret signing with AEW? What was it after uh, Revolution? Was it after his first match on Dynamite? Was it when Tony Khan told him he's going to have to get eliminated by Brian Pillman Jr. In a, in a battle royal on a pre-show double or nothing? Like, when did Christian Cage immediately regret signing that AEW contract? I think the moment that they had Paul White come out on the stage and announce that there's going to be a Hall of Fame level signing for AEW, and the whole wrestling world thought Brock Lesnar or CM Punk was coming to AEW, I think that was probably... It would have been one of the moments. If not, just him having these just okay matches in the like the f- middle of the second hour of Dynamite. I don't think that's the best thing for Christian, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like, like I, I imagine, like, Brandon Cutler, you know, relating a message from the Young Bucks that Christian Cage is going to have a promo segment on Dynamite with Matt Seidel. And he's just like, why did I, why did I take this contract? I should have just signed with WWE and just been a mid-card guy. You yeah, like, you, like, you've got Christian Cage saying there. He's got, like, Dasha interviewing him. And then you've got, like, like three cameramen. You've got, like, a guy holding a boom mic with, like, AW Dynamite t-shirts on. And then Matt Seidel walks over, and he's like, Christian, you cannot outwork me. Next week on Dynamite... And Christian's probably thinking, these people make AJ Styles look like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Like, these people have no charisma. But nonetheless, I think I'm ready to move on now, and we're ready to move on to the next match, which I can't wait to talk about this one, as we've got... Rusev defending the TNT Championship against Lance Archer with a 77-year-old Jake the Snake Roberts, Kevin. Are you excited for this one? Is Jake Roberts actually 77? No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm kidding, my guy. I'm kidding. He's just really old. Jake Roberts is actually 65. Um, Wow. Still. Still. I mean, I don't want to get... In all objective... Jokes aside, jokes aside, it's amazing that Jake Roberts is still going strong, being on TV every week at 65. God bless Jake Roberts. Nonetheless, let's get back to the preview, pal. Yeah, Yeah, great story. Everything he's been through, if you haven't heard about his story, go find it. Um, Miro and Lance Archer, or Rusev versus Lance Archer, as I should say. Uh, um, I mean... I saw people talking on Twitter like, oh, this is this is the mirror I wanted to see when he first signed with AEW. I'm not sure what he's done or hasn't done for people to say that. But 
so I haven't really been paying attention to him, honestly, since he debuted. Right. And he his gimmick was, oh, I'm a Twitch streamer, bro. I'm the best man. So I'm not super invested in Miro. I, I like Lance Archer, but realistically, what is Lance Archer's ceiling in AEW where guys like him just don't stand a chance with this audience? Like, he's just, he's not the what AEW's catering to. Yeah. Right. So I don't really know what to make of this match. I, I don't. Like, last year, double or nothing, Lance Archer had a TNT title shot. He's literally stagnant. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of this. I really don't. Well, because, I mean, in the hierarchy of AEW, Lance Archer just doesn't... He doesn't click with the, the top, you know, part of AEW. He, he's not an Omega. He's not a Moxley. He's not a, a Jericho, a, a Sting even. Like, he's not one of those guys. And then I look at this match. As you say with Miro, what's he done since his debut? Essentially, Kevin, in the past, like, four months on Dynamite, this is what Miro's done. He's thrown Kip Sabian into a garage door. He's been a part of in some capacity, an arcade anarchy match with the best friends. He's had, hey, he's had a match with Darby Allen, which he ended up winning, and now he's the champion facing Lance Archer. So, one thing's with this match, I've seen people on Twitter, this is the usual thing with wrestling Twitter and AW to be fair, people on Twitter making Miro vs. Lance Archer seem, seem as though it's as big as Cena vs. The Rock at WrestleMania 28. People being like, oh my god, I've been, this is the match I've been waiting for. Oh my god, stacked bro. And it's like, okay, it's Rusev and Archer. Like, yes, I, I'm, yeah. more, I'm more interested in this match than I am for two random five-foot skinny guys wrestling just because these guys are a bit you know, bigger and larger than life, supposedly. But even then, Lance Archer's ceiling is this, and Miro, his ceiling should be higher, but his ceiling seems to be this at the moment. So I don't even know, Kevin. I don't know what to make of this. Like, I guess all wrestling fans in 2015, when Miro was coming out with a tank uh, against John Cena... They were thinking, oh my god, I can't wait to get Rusev versus Lance Archer from New Japan. Oh, can't wait. You know, I guess, I guess that's the thing. But, I mean, this is technically the second biggest title in the company. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you could say the women's title is the second biggest title. That's fine. So this is, like, a really important championship. It should be one of the three or four most important matches. But, sadly, it's going to take a backstage to Sting and his grandson, the Young Bucks, and the Invisible Hand of AEW. And then the American Dream, and then the women's match, the uh, Britt Baker and Sheeta, and then the main event. So there's like five or six matches ahead of this one, and it's the second biggest title in, in the, the company. Well, Kevin, maybe AEW's going to make Lance Archer the first ever TBS champion when they move there. You never know. You never know. Oh. oh. Yeah, are we going to have Mike Tyson sleeping while he's pres uh, presenting that title? Yep. Uh, but, 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 Kevin, this is long-term storytelling. In, in January of 2016, Rusev was holding a TV monitor on Raw, and he said that I'm the TV champion. Therefore, five and a half years later, when, Ru when Rusev slash Miro wins the TNT title on Dynamite, Miro predicted this in a true bit of long-term storytelling, pal. Oh, yeah. M Miro knew about AEW, pal, before, before all of us. He knew before Tony Khan. Exactly. M Miro is... But, like, you mentioned this, this thing about Rusev. And it's like, th this was the guy who was having, like, a, 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 one of the best segments of the 2010s on Raw with The Rock in 2016. This guy, this guy was, or it was 2015, whatever. He was so cool. He was awesome. He had Lana. It was on the best acts going. And now he's throwing Kip Sabian into garage doors on Dynamite. And he just happened to win a match last week to become champions. Like, I don't know. I don't know, Kevin. I don't know. Yeah, he's playing video games on Twitch, talking, still talking about how WWE wrestlers can't do it. <laughs> that's that's great. So, um, unless there's anything else you want to say, I think we're ready to move on to our Hikaru Shida vs. Britt Baker, pal. 
Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so this match, I mean... I've said this, and I think it was the things AW need to improve video, but when it comes to Hikaru Shida, she's a good wrestler, objectively. She's good at what she does. But is she good enough to have been a, a, a world champion in a company, uh, like a mainstream number two in the world wrestling promotion like AEW? Is she good enough to have held the title for a year straight? And to me, the answer is objectively no. Like, Shida's good, don't get me wrong, don't try and cancel me on Twitter, but I don't think she's good enough to have held the title for a year straight and been the flag bearer for the division. I think this match against Britt Baker, Kevin, I know what you think, I will get your thoughts in a moment, but I think Britt Baker has to win this match, then they can do Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker and Tay Conti, etc. That's what I think. Absolutely. Uh, first of all, I like Hikarushita as well. I think she's been a great women's champion. I liked her a lot better than Riho. Oh god, yeah. Um, and I, I just think she did like nothing against her, nothing against, she had a long reign. I think her reign has come to an, an end. I think Britt Baker has to win the title here. The, for a lot of people, this is AEW's last straw with the women's division. In a lot of people's minds, like they're not going to give the women another chance if Britt Baker doesn't win. Um, I don't see a world where Britt Baker doesn't, I just don't see it happening. Britt Baker has to win the title. She's literally the biggest female star that AEW has. And she's been their biggest women's star. Since AEW started in 2019, they just, for whatever reason, they've gone in a different direction. But yeah. now, Brie Baker's proven herself from all aspects. She's had great matches with a ton of women, Thunder Rosa most notably, in the, in the main event of Dynamite a couple months ago. They killed it, and she's been consistently one of the best overall characters on the show. She's one of the few people in AEW that can tell a story and can be entertaining and compelling. Those interviews she does with, with Tony Schiavone are really good. You know, they're not must-see TV, but they're really good promos. And she's marketable. You know, she has cool merchandise. Um, she's a real-life dentist, so I'm sure a lot of people find that attractive. That's a bit of a, you know, a thing. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. She's, I mean, she's got it all. What more could you ask for from a superstar in Britt Baker? Like, if, if Vince McMahon had Britt Baker in his company... She'd probably be like a four times champion. She'd be like Alexa Bliss. She'd be like running the show. Hell yeah! You know, she'd be a bigger star than her boyfriend Adam Cole if she was in WWE. Oh, oh yeah! Oh, oh, shots fired! But yeah, Sheeta. This match is going to be great. Sheeta can wrestle. Britt Baker can wrestle. Sheeta's in the ring. Her in ring skills are better than Baker, but Britt Baker's the total package. Yes, Britt Baker has it factor, suppose so to speak, and the fact that she hasn't been champion yet. But we've seen Sheeta versus Nyla Rose for like six separate months as a storyline. To me, that's borderline unforgivable. So, yeah, with that being said, Britt Baker should be winning this match. She well and truly, it's her time to win. So, hopefully she gets the win here. If not, I mean, where do you go from there? Sheeta versus Nyla Rose at Fighter Fest 2021? Like, come on, Kevin. Come on. Come on. Uh, well, they'll, they'll, pluck a, they'll pluck a women's wrestler off of an indie scene or stardom or something and... We'll do look at that Sheeta versus like the stardom champion or something. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. That's what's happening there. Then we can move on to this match, which I this is a match, I'll be honest, I'm most looking forward to, Kevin. The Stadium Stampede 2. Okay. The <laughs> Pinnacle versus the Inner Circle. Personally, I absolutely love Stadium Stampede 1. That was my favorite AW match of 2020. I thought that whole thing was just a stack of fun. It was the most fun I had watching a wrestling match basically most of all last year. So Hopefully, Stadium Stampede 2 can either recreate that magic or at least have a different take on the Stadium Stampede. I don't know what they're going to do, Kevin, but let's hope it's good. 
I think this will be good. I don't see a road where it's where it's not. I don't see that path. I think it's gonna be really good. You have a baby face inner circle going up against just the dastardly heel MJF and you know Tully Blanchard. There's a lot of characters here. There's a lot of star power. This is maybe the second most important, maybe even the most important for a lot of people. This match is probably the main event of the show. You know, a lot of people are gonna look at it that way. Will it go on last? Probably not. But um. It's going to be awesome. The first one was great. This time, we're going to have live fans in attendance. I wonder how that element is going to play into how they do this match. I don't know what to expect. And I think that's a good thing with wrestling matches. When you don't know what to expect, it's never a bad thing, in my opinion. Definitely. Like, I mean, we've joked several times throughout this preview alone about, like, what's going to happen with, say, the Cody and the Go-Go match. How, like, oh, Cody's going to be crying in the ring. Brandy will be crying, holding a baby bump. And, like, we talked about that earlier. But, like, this match... It's going to go for like 30 minutes, but it's going to be actually a good 30 minutes. It's not just, oh, these guys wrestle in the ring really well. It's going to be a fun 30 minutes of just you know, sports entertainment, which is a good thing. So hopefully it's really good. I have no doubt it will be. Last year's one was amazing. This one should be a sack of fun as well. I think personally this is going to main event. I think that because they, they record these like a day or two before they actually air the pay-per-view live. And just like last year where the world title match wasn't the greatest, even though Moxley and... Brody Lee, by comparison to this year's main event, is much better. I just think they're going to tape this match a day or two before Kevin, and they're going to go, this was amazing, this is main eventing. That's what I think, at least. But Yeah, yeah we'll see. We definitely will, Kevin. Yeah, we'll see. Definitely will. You want to you you go into the main event there, pal? Yep, well, our main event, as we've got... I'll, I'll, say, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be nice about this. We've got Kenny Omega defending the AEW World Championship in a triple threat match against Orange Cassidy and Park. So, that's the triple threat match. We've got Kenny Omega with the invisible hand of professional wrestling and Don Gallus. Can't forget that. Great. But yeah, so yeah, Omega's taking on the soul monster and uh, Adrian Neville. This match, look, I've seen people, notably, you know, your Tranquilo uh, Tranquilo Club, like those types, make videos about, you know, why Orange Cassidy main eventing a pay-per-view is a really good thing. I think the logistics of Orange Cassidy, a guy who's supposedly so over with fans, or at least like the AEW diehard audience who attends the shows, I think him main venting, that's cool and all. Amazing for him, the person, that's completely dope. But I think as an AEW product, Kevin, I don't know if you'll agree or get your thoughts in a moment, I think having this guy main eventing your biggest pay-per-view of the year is a bit like, um, okay. It's like Santino gets over in, like, 2012, and you have him main event WrestleMania. You know, like, huh? That's why. Kind of, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, that's, kind of, that's kind of a good analogy when you look at it. You know, there's some holes I could poke in it, but we'll be here all day. Um, mm. the, the one thing I have to say about this main event is it's just disrespectful at this point that we haven't seen Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Like, AEW should be embarrassed that they've had, that they fumbled the Kenny Omega and Hangman Page story. No, uh, hold up, just... hold up. Devil's Advocate, they're waiting for fans to come back to do that. What do you think about that take? Because that's probably what's going to be the counter to that one. No, you could, you could do it twice. Who cares? You do Kenny yeah. Omega and Page at what? You do Kenny Omega and Page here. You got 5,000 fans in attendance. And you find a creative finish, and then you run it back it all out in front of 15,000 people in Chicago. You know? That, I yeah. think that's 
the way you, you know Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. That's two of AEW's biggest stars. You can do that match at two straight pay per views. It's not the end of the world. They're not copying WWE by having a, a pay per view rematch. You know that they they can find some way to do it. Definitely. It's just embarrassing that like it was all out in August of 2020. The Kenny Omega Hangman Page story kind of came to a, a head, and they kind of separated, and we've seen nothing from it ever since then. Hangman Page has been sitting in a bar with like John Silver approaching him to join the Dark Order, and he's and then he's like in backstage segments with the Young Bucks and Tony Schiavone, and Tony Schiavone's like, "Hangman, what do you think about this?" And then you got the Young Bucks telling Hangman that he shouldn't be drinking beer. Like that's what he's been doing since then, and he's done nothing but. They're gonna pluck him, and they're gonna put. They're gonna do the match it all out, and it's gonna be Kenny Omega versus Hangman. It's gonna be a great match, but the buildup is gonna be terrible. It's literally just gonna be, oh, Hangman is a big star because we say he is, and yeah, yeah. you have to believe that Hangman and Kenny is a, a big feud, is big personal storyline because what eighteen months ago they didn't like each other on an episode of Dynamite as they, when they were tag team champions. Hangman dropped from the apron, didn't refuse to tag him. Like, that's what we're going to build the story on, you know? Or, what, three years ago on an episode of BTE, Marty Skrull and Hangman, they yelled at Kenny Omega. Like, what is the story going to be, you know? Well, uh, that goes to that whole long-term storytelling revisionist history thing. So that, Kevin, come late July, when Omega's just finished having his match with Christian Cage and Omega's defended the title successfully against someone like you know, Scorpio Sky on Dynamite, then when it's all out time come August and Omega needs an opponent, Adam Page will, like, confront him and everyone will be like, oh my god, long-term storytelling, when the two haven't interacted all year. And people are going to look back, oh my god, look at this time a year ago when, you know, as you say, Hangman dropped down from the apron in their tag match. Look, look at this time three years ago on BTE. And they're going to really make it seem like this narrative has been non-stop going for three to five years when in reality it's like, oh, well, they've they just thrown Paige and Omega on all out because that's what they need to do. Which, that leaves us with this match, Kevin. Omega against Orange Cassidy and Park. Now, Orange Cassidy, we've talked about this. He was had a lot of momentum, be that a good thing or a bad thing, after he beat AW's biggest star two straight times in 2020. And then they did nothing with him for six months, and now he's here. Now he's in the world title match of the pay-per-view. You know, like, okay, like, okay, I yeah. guess, because that's the thing, pal. Like, yeah, he be he beats the biggest star in AEW, one of the ten greatest wrestlers to ever live, and he drowns that that wrestler in orange juice and vodka, and then he's done nothing since then, and now he just gets a title match. Like, it's, I don't know, I don't know about this main event. I just, I can't get and around then, to and it. And then Kevin, and then Park's thing was that he started the Death Triangle. He got stuck in Europe for like six months because of coronavirus, and then he's kind of been on AWTV kind of sparingly, and then now he's in the world title match, because there was a match with Pac and Cassidy on Dynamite like this past week, where like one of them like nearly got a concussion or something, and there was a messy finish, and then they made it a triple threat, and it's like, okay... You know, like, the, yeah, mat the match will be really good. Like, I'm not saying the, the in-ring work won't be that good. But, I mean, moves are moves, Kevin. You've seen a million moves done in pro wrestling. What makes this match stand out above the rest? What about this match is going to make you, three years down the line, go, damn. I was, I was emotionally invested in that. You know, like... Right, exactly. I agree. And, like, what's the build-up here? 
Uh, okay, Orange Cassidy and Pac, they had a match, what, a year ago at Revolution 2020? Or was it two years ago almost at Full Gear 2019? It was it was all out it was all out twenty nineteen, they had a match. And then they had that Iron Man match a week before Revolution Oh no no, no the, the one that Pac and Cassidy had. When, when was oh, that? Cassidy. Like Revolution? Yes. Uh Full Gear, I think. I think it's not yeah. Like that. yeah. So, so okay, so Full Gear twenty nineteen, they have this match where you have this angry Neville is like getting upset he's getting triggered at this goofball orange cassidy and that they were relying on that like that's the build-up and then omega and Pac, yeah they had this great iron man match great it was a great match i loved it one of my favorite AEW matches but that's the build-up here i guess and then you have don Callis telling Pac that he'd never make it in the big time in wwe like <laughs> what is the build-up here but this 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 right here this is exactly when Vince Russo describes the difference between a booker and a writer in wrestling, this is the ultimate booker-type match. You take a bunch of good in-ring workers, put them together, and rely upon the wrestlers to concoct some sort of story, and then hope the match is great and makes up for it. Instead of writing a really compelling, captivating storyline to really make you care and make general people care, this is just a booker-type match. Oh, we're going to throw, oh, Omega, pass, uh, Cassidy, and Puck in a match? Hell yeah, it sounds good. They'll have a really good match, double or nothing. That's great. Good. And then I'm sure Tony Khan will be clapping backstage. Oh my god, Dave is going to love that match. Like, that's what this is. Yeah, like, but yeah, you book it like it's UFC or something. Like, oh, these two good, these two fighters have a great fight. Let's put it on pay-per-view. It's like, that's, that's everything. That's no, like, the whole point with wrestling is trying to make people care, I thought. I guess that's not the case anymore. I... Kevin, I don't know. Omega's winning this match. I don't think there's much conjecture to that. It just, I don't know. I, I, if this main events and they close the show with just Omega and the Young Bucks and you've got Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson standing tall in the ring, Don Callis, it's like, is this really the direction this company needs to be going? That's the question I ask, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. we'll either get that ending where you have Don Callis on the invisible hand of the AEW champion and then you have, you know, Hangman Page will come out with a beard. And the young bucks will slap the beer out of his hand, and then Hangman will walk away depressed, and yeah. that'll be the big tease to end the show. Yeah, and there'll be there'll be some callback, and it's like, oh my god, look at this, look look at being the elite episode one hundred and twenty seven when Hangman Page was drinking a beer, and they did this exact same thing in the bar in Rancho Cucamonga. You had Matt Jackson slap the bar, um, slap the beer out of Hangman's hand. Then at Double or Nothing twenty twenty one, they did that same thing. Oh my god, AW so immense with long term storytelling, like that's probably the type of thing we'll get so yeah like anything else kevin like well let, let, let me just recap this card for you yeah. so essentially we have we have a uh what's the word i'm looking for we have a pioneer a social justice warrior <laughs> a civil activist in cody rhodes taking on a a boxer from the uk you got hopefully Britt baker winning her title Yep. You got, you know, Kenny Omega taking on Solomon and Pac and so on and so forth. Yeah. What, what, what is the identity of Double or Nothing? Like, what are people going to say in seven years after this show? Well, what do you think people are going to look back on the most? Uh, stadium Stampede being really fun, but even then, it's just, it's, is it going to top the first one? Is it going to be remembered like the first one? I don't know. And outside of that, I guess Moxley and Eddie Kingston winning the tag titles. And that's legitimately it. I don't think Nelson Mandela, Cody Rhodes, ending racism and beating a go-go is going to really do much to make people remember this show, honestly. And Britt Baker 
ending a Shida reign that's gone on nine months too long. I don't know if that's the solution either. So, yeah, Kevin, it, it, I think we've previewed this in pretty compelling detail. I'm sure we'll get a few dislikes because we actually didn't lie about the card, but nonetheless, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. For, for fun, let me ask you this. Uh, what do you think... Ha, ha, well, not what, how do you think people are going to remember this American Dream Cody and Anthony Gogo story in 10 years? Um... <laughs> Hopefully they look back on it as like the the meme it, it is. Hopefully, hopefully we don't have videos being made of, of a look back at Cody Rhodes and they're talking with reverence about how great this pioneer social justice activist Cody Rhodes was. Talking about how inspirational he was and how in twenty twenty three Cody and Brandy's baby boy pinned buddy Brian Cage on Dynamite. Hopefully that's not the case, but look, I don't know. I I think Cody will be looked back upon. Probably by AW hardcore fans as a pioneer, but to anyone with you know who's objectively looking at it, he'll be looked back upon as a meme. I think. But I hope so. Yeah. But yeah. I hope so. I, I mean, I, I just picture like I picture people that are like going to be forty five in ten years. They're just like, oh man, that that promo from Cody, man, I, that changed the way I view life. I just I can't picture anyone saying that. That's gonna be that's gonna be one of those segments I look back upon in the same way as I do when one of my real life friends sends me a clip of Santino Morella with the Cobra as Jinder Mahal is playing the flute on SmackDown in like twenty twelve. I'm thinking like this is so embarrassing. Please God don't let, don't share this with anyone else. I'm gonna be embarrassed by more people. Like I think that Cody promo is gonna be looked back upon like that. It was that it was that level of bad. It was like. If people see this in my real life, they're going to genuinely make fun of me. And that's embarrassing. So, yeah, with that being said, Kevin, I think we've talked about this enough. I want to get out of here. Double or nothing, 2021. Overall, Kevin, before we go, what match are you most looking forward to? Oh, I cannot wait for, you know, Brandy and her baby bump crying when Cody's getting pinned by Anthony Gogo. Can't wait, pal. Now, genuinely, no. though, genuinely, though, that match I'm most looking forward to because of all these memes. Like, I'm actually looking forward to the match because of the memes. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, realistically, it's either that match or the Stadium Stampede, honestly. Like, those, I mean, those are the two matches I'm looking forward to. Yeah. And the Cody Rose match, I'm not looking forward to because I can't wait to see who wins. I'm actually looking forward to see what the hell they do with the Pinnacle and Inner Circle match, though. I, that's going to be exciting. That's must-see. That's the one must-see match from this pay-per-view, in my opinion. Yeah, it's the one match with some remnant of a story, even though some would argue it doesn't need to be happening because they did blood and guts, aka War Games, two weeks ago. But nonetheless, that's been the preview. I've tried to wrap this up about five times now. We keep blabbering. Hope that you guys enjoyed. Sub to Elite Heat if you haven't already. If you made it through the video and you haven't hit the like button, come on, come on, hit the like button. So, yeah, like, comment, oh, come on, come on, come on. Leave you guys on a drill. See ya.